Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Kate Hurley. Kate began her career as an animal control officer in 1989. After graduation from the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine in 1999, she worked as a shelter veterinarian in California and Wisconsin. In 2001, she returned to UC Davis to become the first person in the world to undertake a residency in shelter medicine. Following completion of the residency, Kate remained at UC Davis to become the director of the Corrett Shelter Medicine Program. Kate loves all things shelter-related, but her particular interests include the animal welfare of confined dogs and cats, humane and effective strategies to manage community cats, infectious disease, and unusually short dogs. Four of her most treasured achievements are co-authoring the Association of Shelter Veterinarians' Guidelines for Standards of Care in Animal Shelters, co-editing the textbook Infectious Disease Management in Animal Shelters, collaborating in development and dissemination of the life-saving cat portal, and the co-creating the Million Cat Challenge. She loves shelter work because it has the potential to improve the lives of so many animals and the people who work so hard to care for them. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Kate, there's a lot of passion in there in that bio. But before all that happened to you, how did you get started and truly committed to animals, particularly community cats? That's such a good question. And I think like for a lot of us who are involved in very big picture work, for me, it started with just four kittens. As you mentioned, I was an animal control officer for six years before I was a veterinarian. And I was working at a shelter where about one out of four cats left the shelter alive. And one of our policies in those days was that we didn't put up for adoption underage kittens. We didn't have a foster network. This was half my life ago now, 25 years. And one day, as an animal control officer, I picked up a litter of four-week-old kittens, and they were so cute, and I just couldn't put them down. So I took them home. There was three orange kittens and a calico, and I uncreatively named them Callie, the calico, and small, medium, and large orange. (laughs) (laughs) And I raised them up until they were eight weeks old, and I brought them back to the shelter. And I picked the prettiest towels to offset their coloring, and I set their cages up, all neat and nice with a cute sign. And Callie got adopted that very same day. Medium orange got adopted within a few days. And about a week later, I walked into the euthanasia room. And I saw a small and large orange on the table. And they had gotten upper respiratory infection. And that was another thing that in those days, we didn't know how to manage. There was no such thing as shelter medicine. There was no textbook on infectious disease management. There was nobody to tell us how to keep that disease from spreading or how to treat those kittens without affecting the rest of our population. And so the rule was you couldn't question a euthanasia decision. And so I turn around so my coworker wouldn't see the look on my face and know whose kittens she was euthanizing. And I went and I stood outside the door of that room and I thought to myself, there has got to be a better way. In that moment, of course, I didn't know what that better way would look like and what the path might be to get there. 
But that was what drove me to vet school. That was what drove me right after vet school to go to work in a shelter. And my ongoing frustration when I worked in a shelter where I could treat upper respiratory and where I did have an isolation ward, but still there were too many cats getting sick and not enough cats leaving alive. That's what drove me to go back to school and do the residency in shelter medicine and research upper respiratory infection and co-edit a textbook on infectious disease management. And finally, in all of that, that's what drove me to the realization that the balance for shelters to be able to manage trivial infections like upper respiratory infection, to be able to provide the quality of care that every cat needs to be able to stay healthy and get out of the shelter alive, that really has to start not in the shelter, but in the community with successful strategies for managing community cats. And so that's really how the Million Cat Challenge arose was how do we save a million cats in shelters by also doing the work we need to do to keep cats safely out of shelters and thriving in the community that already is their home? I agree with you. I think oftentimes when any of us come into a situation and we're just like, this is just wrong. This is just not the way it should be. We take a step forward and we say, I'm going to make a change. And obviously you've taken leaps forward to help make a change for the lives of thousands and thousands of cats, which is phenomenal. But yet, you know, it came through a lot of sadness in that early period. You know, those were two faces of many and we all have those stories, but it's what tips us us over the edge and say, we have to make a difference and everybody should feel empowered and be able to do that. So thank you for sharing that story. Tell us a little bit more about the Million Cat Challenge and why it was started, what it's about and how people in the community actually can help participate knowing about it or celebrating it. Sure. So I'll tell you now, you know, to cut to the punchline, the great news is the answer to my 24-year-old cry of despair of there's got to be a better way is that there is a better way. And in some ways, that better way is so much simpler, cheaper, easier, more humane, more readily available than I ever could have imagined even just a few years ago. And it really is centered around the recognition that there are somewhere between 30 and 80 million community cats in the United States. And at most, three or four million cats passing through animal shelters each year. And so we can solve this problem, but we have to solve it by addressing the tens of millions of cats that aren't passing through shelters so that shelters can be successful with the smaller number of cats that really needs their care. So the Million Cat Challenge is based around five initiatives to balance intake, capacity for humane care in the shelter, and live outcomes for cats that do enter the shelter. So it starts before a cat ever enters the shelter and like, here's where the community can play. You know, small, medium, large, orange, and Cali the Calico, they were four weeks old. They were perfectly healthy. Did they need to come into the door of a shelter when they were four weeks old and we didn't have a foster care program? Absolutely not. I'm sure the person who found them and who called me out had the best of intentions for those kittens. But if they just could have kept an eye on that litter of kittens, kept them where they were, they were young enough, go ahead and socialize them. If they're a little bit older and can't be socialized, just make sure that they do all right. Provide them with food, water, and shelter. Keep an eye on them until they're old enough to be sterilized. And then return them to their habitat. Boom, you're done. In my day, if I brought in a feral cat, it was my job to take that cat right back to the euthanasia room and euthanize her with no delay. 
And I now realize that in doing that, all I was doing when I was euthanizing a healthy feral cat was leaving that food source uneaten wherever that cat was living. Another cat is going to come along and eat it. That is just the nature of free breeding, free roaming mammals. And the more food any cat has, the larger litter size she's going to have and the more cats we're going to have. So I was solving no problem. And I saw that myself by going out to the same addresses over and over and over to pick up cats. Again, community members can keep cats out of shelters and leave the resources in shelters for those cats that are sick, injured, the victims of cruelty, orphaned kittens that really can't stay where they are. And shelters can do a great job if they can focus their energy just on those ones. So that's sort of on the incoming side. And then I guess the other most relevant part about the outgoing side of the five initiatives. So the two that are most relevant are alternatives to intake, which is like, don't come in. Or at least don't come in now. Don't come in until you're ready to thrive in the shelter and get out alive quickly. And on the other side, you know, it used to be that just because a cat wasn't social, wasn't suitable for a home, there wasn't a live option for it to leave the shelter. We now realize that wasn't serving any good purpose. And to bring this down to like a very real number, I told you there's up to 80 million unowned community cats in the United States and shelters take up maybe three or four million. That amounts to, on a daily basis, one out of every 15,000 cats. That leaves 14,999 out there to do their thing. And their thing is to make another cat. So that the next morning we have another 15,000. So we now realize, like, you know what? It doesn't serve any good purpose. It doesn't protect birds. It doesn't protect public health. It doesn't protect pets. It doesn't protect the cats themselves. To take in a healthy, unowned cat and euthanize it. It actually serves a much better purpose. If the cat can't be adopted... And there's no evidence that it was at any dire risk where it came from. And it's in good body condition to sterilize it and put it back there to keep eating whatever food source it was eating, whether we know what it is or not, and just not make any more baby cats. That's better for everybody because that means ultimately fewer cats in the environment, less nuisances for people who are annoyed by cats, as well as a better life for the cat. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? We've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats podcast website under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. How did you decide on million cats? Well, that's a, that's a good story. Um, a couple of other guests on your podcast, Rick Ducharme, originated what's now called Return to Field, uh, the program I just described in Jacksonville, and then John Cicerelli, another guest that I think you've had or are about to have, implemented the program in San Jose, which is close to me. And so I was hearing about that, and I was hearing about programs to keep cats out of shelters that were novel and were easy or more accessible than we thought and worked better than we expected. All of that was rattling around in my mind. And I read a book called Switch, How to Change When Change is Hard. And like, that seems like the story of our lives in shelters. Like change is so hard and the problems are so big. The big news in that book was sometimes change isn't as hard as you think it is. And I had only gotten to page 30 of the book 
And one of the stories in the first 30 pages was about this campaign called the 100,000 Lives Campaign. And the goal of the campaign was to reduce mistake-associated deaths in hospitals by 100,000 over an 18-month period. And their motto was, some is not a number, soon is not a time. And they had six practical, evidence-based, scalable initiatives. And one of the things that was beautiful about it is it put the agency back with the hospitals to improve. So instead of being told to improve or harassed to improve or bribed to improve, it just put the trust with them to say, yes, we're here to save people's lives. We want to improve. And it created a real peer-to-peer network to help hospitals show their improvement and support each other in implementing and adapting these initiatives. So I just had that in the back of my mind when I went to give a little talk in the Chico City Library in Northern California. There's only a couple dozen people there. And I just saw something happening with the audience where one person stood up and said, yeah, you know, it works. Here's how it's working at my shelter. And another person stood up and said, you know what? We would start a program to return cats to the field if you would implement the policy of allowing that to happen. And there was just this electricity and exchange of ideas and this peer-to-peer thing forming right there in front of me between these two dozen people. And I was like, this is it. This is happening. And so I was like, some is not a number. Soon is not a time. Let's save a thousand cats. Let's do it in the next six months. Let's come together in June of next year. And let's be able to tell each other that we saved a thousand lives because of what happened here. And everyone was like, yeah, let's do it. I put around a yellow legal pad and everyone signed their name and put the number of cats they were going to save. And they did it. Six months later, they had saved over 1300 more cats. Over 1,300 fewer cats have been euthanized in their shelters. And so I was like, whoa, that worked well. The next year at the HSUS Animal Care Expo, the keynote speaker was one of the co-authors of that book, Switch. And John Cicerelli, Dr. Julie Levy, who's my co-founder of the Million Cat Challenge, and I had the plenary session later that week where we got to talk to an audience of about 2,000 people. So that's like 100 times more than we're in the Chico City Library. And so we heard Dan Heath speak, and then you know, the conference rolled on, and we had put cards with a cat on them on everyone's seat in this giant conference hall. It was the most people I'd ever gotten to talk to at once, so it was fantastic. And we didn't know what we were going to do with those cards, but right beforehand, we were thinking about how inspiring Dan Heath's talk had been. We were thinking about Switch, and we were like, let's issue the 100,000 cat challenge. We have 100 times as many people as we're in Chico City Library that we're able to save a thousand cats, we could do this. And so again, we issued the challenge and we were like, yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah. And they turned in their cards. We had no way to track this, but between them, they had pledged to save 126,126 more cats. And so that was when we realized like this thing has legs. The potential really exists within animal sheltering right now today, not in 10 years, not when we discover something new, but with what we already know to save a million more cats compared to what we were doing before we had these new tools. Let's issue the Million Cat Challenge. We got funding from the Maddie's Fund to just launch it. We got support from almost every national animal welfare organization in North America. And so in 2014, we made it a reality. That's wonderful. And it shows that grouping people together to impact change is so valuable. Absolutely. And, you know, we like to say we're the co-founders, but we are not the Million Cat Challenge. The Million Cat Challenge is the shelters that are innovating, that are adapting, that are scheming, that are collaborating. They're the ones that are making it happen. We are here to make it visible. 
Yep. I ran a mentoring program. I continue to run a mentoring program for the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. And I've had the privilege of working with over 80 organizations. But when I work with them, I group them together. So I have them build a team and they're always so much more successful when they're working together. And you're doing this nationwide. And it takes a lot of energy to get everybody motivated so that people don't feel so dispersed. But you've been able to do that successfully through the marketing and the outreach. And it's been very impactful. Do you want to share how far you are in that challenge? Oh, gosh. I know that as of two days ago, we were at 598,688 cats. I haven't looked at the counter today, but I suspect we just rolled over 600,000 um, lives saved. That's over and above what we would be at if we had kept going at 2012 rates. That's the baseline of the challenge. Yes. And you are over 600. I checked the page earlier today. So congratulations. And when does the challenge run out? Well, the challenge runs through the end of 2018, but stay tuned because <laughs> we're not done yet. So um, Kate, you wear many hats. Would you like to share with the audience some of the other hats that you wear? Sure. You know, sometimes my cat hat, but you know, I have the UC Davis Correct Shelter Medicine Program is where I did my residency is where I've been faculty. I directed the program for a long time. Now I've shifted to advising the program, but it's still my full-time job. And the Million Cat Challenge is a program of our shelter medicine program in the University of Florida, Maddie's shelter medicine program. So it's one of our projects, but it's not the only thing we do. And really we were developed as a resource to address just the lack of knowledge that I had back in that day when I was 24 years old. And the only tool we had to control upper respiratory infection was euthanasia. And there's such better ways. So our website is sheltermedicine.com. You can go there to learn more about that program. And also it's just a great resource for those who work with shelters or with rescues about how to clean and how to vaccinate and all of that kind of stuff. And there for dogs as well. And especially there for people who work in shelters. A phenomenal resource. I know that our healthcare staff and managers reference that site all the time. And we certainly refer to that site for anybody who seeks advice and information from us. So it's definitely a great resource to have and has definitely been a game changer in how our shelter has operated a lot of different ways. So in addition to the Million Cat Challenge and being at UC Davis, are there any other burning issues with regards to community cats? Or could you share with us what your thoughts are for the trends for community cats looking forward, say the next five or 10 years? I think our understanding that managing community cats through shelters like Return to Field is a wonderful option for community cats that do find themselves in shelters. But more and more, I hope we will understand that the shelter is just not the place for managing any free roaming unidentified cat. The shelter is just not the best place for it. And just teaching our community, if you find a cat, the thing to do is look for its owner. And if it doesn't have an owner, then the thing to do is sterilize it, vaccinate it, ear tip it, or, you know, get that stuff done if you're not a veterinary surgeon <laughs> and stabilize it where it is. And that is really the way that we can solve the issue to the extent that there is an issue with community cats in a much more holistic, successful and sustainable way. We've already been making the investment. We've just been making it kind of in the wrong way. And I'll just tell one more little story. I was on the plane to a conference last week and I was working on my talk for the Mailing Cat Challenge and the wife of the guy sitting next to me kept poking him and finally he leaned over and he's like, oh, can, I see you work with cats. Like, can I ask you a question? I've got a feral kitten in my bathroom. 
and I can only pet her with my selfie stick. And I'm just wondering, like, I didn't want to take her into the shelter because they can't deal with that. And I'm wondering what I can do. And so to me, that's just like, that's a great triumph. Like, we are succeeding out there. We're winning. And keep it up because the word is spreading. Even to the guy sitting next to me, like, the best thing he could think of to do was to put the kitten in his bathroom and pet it with his selfie stick. But... (laughs) You know, that bought us enough time for me to talk to him about getting it sterilized and vaccinated ear tip and putting it back. So, hooray. And it's great that we're able to communicate in a whole range of different ways about community cat options out there. And it's not all just having to come from a private veterinarian or from the shelter. It's going to be neighbor to neighbor. And that's the best way to go in being able to get this information out and about. So, Kate, if people are interested in finding out more about the Million Cat Challenge or about you, how could they find either one of you? MillionCatChallenge.org is the perfect place to go. And the email is info at MillionCatChallenge.org. If a shelter wants to sign up or you want to know how to support the Million Cat Challenge. And that's also the best way to reach me because I live and breathe Million Cat Challenge. (laughs) So in closing, Kate, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners today? Um, just that there's a better way and it's right here. It's available right now today. Thank you. You're just an incredible, I can feel the energy pulsating through to me. So you just are so excited and passionate about this topic, which is fantastic. You're making huge impacts. You and Dr. Levy are a dynamic team. So keep it up. I wonder what the next challenge is going to be for the two of you. And what you're doing now is phenomenal. And you are changing the lives for community cats all across the country. And it's great. So I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I hope maybe we'll be able to have you on in the future. Yeah, that would be great. I'd be happy to join you again. Thanks for putting this together. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 